Fast Forward Productions, the women are speaking. That's that ephemeral, intangible thing that they just go, oh, yes, this person. They make us feel something. What we're all in the fight against is capitalism versus art. And how are we going to navigate this moving forward? All of us as artists, how are we going to sustain so that we can survive, so that we can continue to have you know, the privilege of performing and doing our art for people, for everyone to see. The casting process can often prove to be a mystery. The industry is complicated and decisions are nuanced with no clear path to understanding the how or the why. I'm Amanda Doyle, Casting Director and Director of Casting Relations at Castability. Never before has data science been applied to an artistic process like casting an actor. Castability provides objective data, tracking each unique casting decision, giving actors and casting professionals an ability to analyze their craft. In this podcast, we will dive deep into the exploration of the creative decision-making process and reveal all that we discover in our mission to make these creative decisions quantifiable. Welcome to Castability, the podcast hosted by the Castability team. Hey everyone, Amanda Linker-Doyle, and we are back with Noelle Bengolum for part two of our conversation. So if you haven't listened to episode 109, part one, Please listen to that episode before you hop into this one. All right, here we go. We polled the castability community just to see the same things that have come up that you've talked about ad nauseum. You know, it was really thoughtful. Maybe I'll just read it out loud. I think we should address each thing one at a time because I think it's so interesting. This person, this actor said, my question is, quote, how could casting make auditioning worse for actors. (laughs) Let's talk about that, right? How could they make this process worse? And the first one is that they would charge actors for casting services while also being paid by the production needing to hire those same actors. Now, let's talk about that. Actors are saying to me, I have to pay for my reader. I have to pay for my equipment. I have to pay to make this decision to go to the studio. You know, this is all really expensive. And then I'm doing it over and over and over and over and over again in this environment. To which... All we can say again is, I don't have to do that. But then they're like, you know, I'm getting people saying, well, what if I can't find a reader? I can't find anyone to read with me. So it has to be my mom or myself. I've seen it before the pandemic. ICM sent me two self-tapes from a very famous actor now. She's very famous. Reading for two very famous projects. And they sent them to me for her to be in consideration for something that I was casting. And that's all the material they had to share with me because she booked one of these massive $250 million movies as one of the leads, but she didn't book the other one and that movie wasn't out yet. So this is all we had for her. I watched these tapes and she was in her bedroom. You know, you can't see me, but she was like this close to the camera. It was just her head. She broke all the rules in regard to self-taping and she pre-recorded the other side with herself. Again, this is eight years ago. In one of the scenes, she drew piercings on herself with like a Sharpie and again, read with herself. It had nothing to do with anything aside from like what I could see in her eyes and in her face and her thoughtful ability. And that was it. And so I say to you, 
It's about your creative ability and that's all it's about. So there's that. The second one, instead of competing for a role against a hundred people, just like who you are training and hustling in overpriced LA, you would compete against multiple thousands of people who aren't training and hustling in LA. Your one in a million shot just became one and never. We've talked about that. That was happening before this and it'll continue to happen. And so it's about riding the wave and being the best you can be because that's all you can do. Yeah. It's again, it's just like a coffee shop saying, you know, well, there's a Starbucks on every corner. Why am I going to open this coffee shop? Well, owning a coffee shop is what your heart tells you to do. You can't rail against capitalism again and competition. Just make it so good that you will attract the clientele that's yours. The people who want Starbucks will go there. The people that are yours will come to you. So a casting director's job is much like a sports scout's job. Their job is to find the best players for the game. Their job is not to make the competition go away for you, to make the rules of the game easier so that more people can qualify. This is the game. Their job is to find the people that are ready, willing, and able to play competitive ball. So be one of those people. The fact that they're there doesn't make them your competition. You're not actually competing just because there are more people you know, TikToking and what doesn't make them your competition. And if you think that that does, if you think that the art of casting is as simple as, well, any of these people will do, then you don't get it. You can't cast them because look at all these other options. That's not how it works. Right. Yeah. Maybe we're finding somebody in the middle of Ohio, like who's extremely capable and has just a gift that needs fostered. But those things happen very few and far between. Those actors that are in that category that have developed their craft are in that middle space are not in competition with the, the folks that are just starting. That's right. And sometimes there are prodigies. Sometimes there is a Mozart that is just so innately gifted. But that doesn't mean that there now can't be enough pianists in the world because there's a Mozart out there. That's a very specific thing. Does it happen rarely? Yes. But that's not your bread and butter. And that's not the conversation we're having. On the topic of readers, casting directors are not charging you. Studios and networks have removed, for the most part, the budget line item that covers casting offices. That is correct. So casting directors are not charging you. The ability to hold sessions for most of them has gone away. And now the numbers that are being demanded, again, like we talked about, now we can see that we're finding people from all over the world. So bring us those people. We want to have those options. So we have to remove the language of casting is charging us. Now, the tech that you are buying, I did a whole thing about how for a hundred bucks you can get everything you need on Amazon. You were spending that in gas. You were spending that in printing headshots. You were spending that in all kinds of things. So it's not a new expense. It's a transferred expense. Readers, actors, I love you. This is a business that demands resourcefulness. Calling one person and having them not be available and then going, well, then I have to pay. You never have to pay for a reader. With all due respect to We Audition, that is doing a beautiful job. Wonderful. Meeting demands that are out there. I strongly believe that demand shouldn't be there. 
because you are an actor in your immediate community is a whole bunch of other actors. Create, and we've done this with everybody at the studio, create a reader pod of 10 people so that if one of them is not available, the next one is. And if that one's not available, the next one is. And if that one is, you always have, our actors do not have problems finding readers because they all have a reader pod that are people currently in class with them, people who have been in class before, people who they have met through whatever. So does the impetus fall on you to be resourceful? Yes, this business demands resourceful. But also that's the answer to the loss of community. Yes. You have to create your own community. You have to create your own community as an artist. I'm a theater person. I grew up doing community theater. I wanted to be a performance major in college. I ended up doing production instead, film production, and found myself in this particular craft because I love actors and I come from a performance background, but I'm a theater person at heart. And I was having a conversation with someone mid-pandemic and I was like, this was the apocalypse. Everyone was feeling like it was just awful. But I was like in a different way for us. And I say us, meaning myself and actors, anyone who's, you know, grew up doing that is cut from that same cloth. We need people. And so I completely understand this is a misdirected assault on, on a, a particular situation because that's coming from the need for community and people. And so let's like zoom out. Let's look at this environment that we're all existing in and let's find our own community in this environment today and what the, that looks like and how that feels today. So absolutely. I could not agree more. I could not agree more. And, and I have empathy for actors that are like, I miss, because as actors, we are naturally more emotional, more empathetic, more easily affected. We need human contact more than most. I recognize how difficult that is for some people who used to have their human contact, not just with casting, but by seeing their friends in the room, so on and so forth. So make sure you still get that for yourselves. Make sure that you are creating groups so that you have that and not depend on an audition to get it. The third one, I'll just, I'll just keep bringing us back here. We'll just make each point. That's great. The third one was they would hold actors to higher technical standards than they ever held themselves to. I've never seen a 2K camera, boom mic, three-point lighting or ring light or a lens raised to eye level, a great reader, just off lens, quiet on set, medium shot framing and non-distracting backdrop in 20 years of auditioning and helping cast a feature nominated for best picture. But now it is what they all expect from you. Now every actor in the world needs to invest in expensive production equipment and find a great reader just to compete against an ever-growing pool of online competitors. More expense and less change of income. On top of that, CD's game seems to be making actors feel inferior and then offering them their self-tape workshops for $300 to $700. We just spoke to a lot of that, but I appreciate this actor, whoever wrote this, you know, kind of pulling out all of these feelings because what these are are feelings. This is an emotional response to all of this. No one is telling you you have to buy a 2K camera. I was shooting on a Sony Handycam when we were in the room. That was given to me by, you know, one of the services that the sound dropped out most of the time. <laughs> you know what I mean? like, and, and that's what they're saying, holding them to a higher standard. I think you're holding yourself to that higher standard. If one casting director said that in one email, that's one person saying that, and that is not necessarily the truth. And that would be preposterous. Since the beginning of this conversation, I have seen some unreasonable demands. For instance, you must have an in-person reader with you. You can't have a reader on Zoom or on FaceTime. I think that that is unreasonable. That's unreasonable. It would be preposterous 
for a casting director to put in writing, you must use a 2K DSLR. I would have to see that email to believe it, because that would be abject insanity. The issue is a lot of these legitimate complaints, so to speak, like, why do I have to have a reader? I don't know that I can. The problem is that those things are the ones that we need to turn up the volume on, and they're getting around in an ocean of other, I'm not going to say illegitimate, but non-issues, issues that could be personal responsibility. So let's actually turn up the volume on these things so that we have a chance to get something done about them. And, you know, I was chatting with an actor and he was like, that was one of the requests for the callback. Like, make sure you have a live reader with you in the room for this Zoom callback. And I was like, and what would have happened if you said, I don't have anyone? That's what we should be doing. And so all you have to do is say, I don't have it. That's right. Or involve your rep. And let us do our job. They're not letting us do our job anymore. You know what I mean? Like, like that's our job. And so- And let your rep advocate for you in that moment instead of not speaking up and then just doing it and carrying that burden, tell your rep, I can't. If you got the callback as in you are truly a potential person that we might cast. I say we, I'm not a casting director, right? You are one of the few that were like, can do the job. They're not going to go, oh, never mind, because you can't have a reader. But you have to know that. You have to be so empowered as an actor that you get that. But doing it and then feeling resentful about it doesn't, it does not help. And this idea that CD's game seems to be making actors feel inferior and then offering them their self-tape workshops for $307, you know, and everyone's like, I'm so sick of hearing Cassie Dutcher say, I love actors, blah, blah, blah. Well, then show us that you love actors. It's like, who's doing this? Who's doing this? Who's making you feel inferior and then offering? Okay, let's go outside of the industry for a second. When I interview for a job, I'm interviewing them as much as they're interviewing me. Do I want to work at this place every day? Do I want to be around these people every day? And so you as the auditioning actor, we're empowering you again to have thoughtful autonomy here. You as the auditioning actor have a right to be like, this situation and environment is making me feel inferior. And then that person is turning around and doing something that I think is not whatever. So I don't want to be involved with that person or that office or that whatever. And that's your right as an autonomous business person. I couldn't agree more. And I love that you put it in I'm feeling words because it isn't they're making us feel. It's we feel. That I say, no one can make you feel anything without your consent. If you feel empowered, no casting director, no rep, no producer, no president, no no one can make you feel inferior. So the work that has to be done is in examining what it is. You solve a problem that they have, and they have an opportunity that you want. You are, by design, collaborators. So investigate whatever it is that's making you feel this, because historically, actors have felt disempowered, which is why I go back to the mindset, 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 mindset. That is a muscle that needs be worked on as much as craft and as much as business. And it's the same behavior that makes an actor go, I don't want to bother my rep. Why do you think you're bothering them? They're your colleagues. This is unclear in the sides for me. Well, did you ask your rep to get an answer from casting? No, I don't want to bother them. And I don't want to bother casting. No one's made, no one is doing it to you. You have to get out of this victim mentality. Own your rightful place in this business that is interdependent and collaborative. 
And that speaks to my colleagues too, if you're listening, but that's where we are today. And that is necessary and important. And I hope you can embrace that too and find ways to fulfill yourself outside of being able to play something that you shouldn't be playing today. Let's see. They would not provide actors the full context of the story or the script until the last possible minute, if at all, even though I think it's part of the SAG contract and not give them enough time to prepare and then fault them for not being prepared or understanding the role. For time reference, Marilyn Monroe would work all day, every day for a week with an acting coach for every audition, even if it was just a few lines. There's so many different reasons why we can't give you more information about something. Sometimes it's like top secret material and there's dummy sides and like the character description is completely made up so that you can't figure out what it is because we're living in this environment where everybody's trying to protect IP and blah, 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 blah. So there's many different reasons why we can't give you more information. We will always give you information about tone. And if we don't offer it up front, ask ask and we'll give you as much as we can. The idea that we're withholding in an effort to sabotage is bonkers to me because again, you're the solution to the problem that we're trying to solve. You'd be shooting yourself in the foot. Yes. Why would we sabotage you? We want you to succeed. We will give you as much information as possible in an effort to do that. Now, the timing thing, sometimes we have five minutes to do it. I don't know what to say about that. That's not in our control. That happens for various reasons and comes from above us and blah, 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 blah. But we're not doing it to torture you. We're not doing it on purpose. If we can give you as much time as possible, we will. If we can't, we can't. And, you know, that's just the nature of this environment that we're living in. Everything's super fast paced and everything is a secret. <laughs> so, yeah, so. I completely agree. And again, to this person's point, those cases are, again, the exception, not the rule. If you're auditioning for a J.J. Abrams show, nobody's getting anything. But remember, nobody else is. It's not just you. Yet, a whole bunch of people, certainly the person who ends up getting cast, finds things that you didn't. And so I invite actors to just look around your acting class when you get sides and everybody in class is doing sides. See how many people find things that others don't. From the same script, the same information, for the most part, 99.9%, what you need is in the script. If you in particular, right, you happen to write your natural accent is Australian and you want to know if you should use that or use your or use your American accent that you've trained for, or you, if there's something specific to you, ask it. But for the most part, the demands of the audition are the information is in the pages. Would it be nice for somebody to hold your hand and spoon feed it? Sure. That's neither how it works nor the casting's job. I really, really encourage actors to go deeper with the script and become self-sufficient because you can do brilliant work with what you've been given. And then if they're like, that was fantastic. Now here's a little something about the relationship that you wouldn't have had any way of knowing. Let's give it to you for the callback because as we watched a bunch of auditions, it's become clear to us that that is actually something that would make it more specific and let's give it to you. Totally. Okay. They would tell you that there are an overwhelming amount of submissions for every role, 3,000 to 5,000, but give you no indication that yours was actually watched or even received. And you just spent all that money on an editing laptop to handle your 2K to 4K footage. Okay. 
The 3,000 to 5,000 submissions are not new. That's been happening for a long time. And that means the submission's on a roll. That doesn't mean I asked for 5,000 self-tapes. That means that I'm going through all 5,000 headshot resumes, real materials, whatever you have posted, to decide whether or not you are potentially right to be considered for a pre-screen or an offer or whatever. So that the idea that yours was actually watched do you mean the self-tape or do you mean the submission? Because the submission, I probably glanced at you. And if you're right, you're you're right. And if you're not, you're not. You know what I mean? And, and so there's it's hard to say whether or not you're looked at in consideration for something. But those numbers are accurate depending on the role, the category of the role. And sometimes those numbers are bigger depending on the category of the role. And that's just the environment we exist in today because of accessibility and opportunity. I'm going through all 5,000 faces because I personally feel like I have to. I feel like I have to, to have done my job correctly and well. No stone goes unturned. In the same way that Jane and Janet would go to a prison in the middle of the country, you know, to interview people for whatever film they were working on back in the day, that's leaving no stone unturned. This is the environment we're in and that's what it is. And again, it's not a self-tape problem, like you said. It was happening in the room. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and we're, we're talking about different things here. We're conflating a lot of commercial conversations with theatrical conversations. You know, we're not reading, let's talk about theatrical co-star in a television series, okay? We're not reading 100 people for that. That was a little bit miss, I, I think that's a little off these days because no one's reading 100 people for a co-star. There's no reason to do that. You know what I mean? There's just no reason for that. That's silly, unless it's a really specific thing that we need from this person that we might not get, then we would be reading that many people for a co-star. But if we request your tape, we're watching your tape. They're also mad about the amount of tape we watch. Should there be some regulation on the amount of material we ask for, depending on the role? Absolutely. If it's a pre-screen for a top of show guest star, in the past, I would cut all the scenes together for that actor. I worked in television for a long time. Top of show guest star, biggest guest star in the episode. Maybe it's an offer. Maybe we're having people read. Most of the people that were right in that environment were either getting the offer or coming straight to producers. And then it shifted at the end to on tape with casting for producers. So the producers weren't even in the room. So the producers were seeing this, you on tape for them anyway. So what we're talking about here is it just came to a point where they were just like, pull all the scenes because we just want to see it all. So I would go through the script and pull every scene and that in turn was 16 pages. And that was just how I was told to do it. We're in an environment now where it's very clear, like some of the, the people that are complaining about self-taping shouldn't be self-taping. They shouldn't be auditioning. They should be going straight to producers or getting offers. And if they are, again, this is not me not being empathetic to actors, but this is me being a realist and a problem solver. By the time those people are auditioning, you've been doing this for a while. Banging out 11 pages overnight shouldn't be heavy lifting. For the developmental actor, you got a line, two lines, a page. We're not talking about page limits. For a top of show guest star where it gets pagey, You've been doing it for a minute for a recurring, heavy recurring series regular. And that's really where it becomes a lot of pages. You have to learn an incredible amount of dialogue when you go to set. You have to be able to handle last minute rewrites. You have you get blue pages the night before. And by now, the 
auditioning of it all isn't stressful because you know how to do your script analysis real quick. You know how to make choices faster. You can do everything faster. Your memorization skills are right. So I'm not really sure what I'm not really sure what the problem is there. Okay. Taylor's reminding me, this is just how it could be worse in future, not necessarily what it's like now. And I, I think they're implying if things get out of control, continue in this direction, which I, I can appreciate. But I will say some of these things are, are active current complaints. Yes, we'll say that. This is not necessarily the case, but maybe this is like where this is going and you know what can we do to stop it kind of thing. Okay. They would not be there to answer any questions about the script, your character, the dialogue, the relationship, et cetera, anything that would be helpful or informative to do the job that they're asking you to do. Now, I want to reiterate that what we're talking about here is pre-screens. You make a choice. You show us what you've chosen to do. You're right or you're wrong. Then we're going into the rest of the process. We're doing Zoom callbacks or meetings. We're talking about things. We're doing all this work. We're doing potentially chemistry reads in person, mixes and matches, whatever have you. And this has always been the process. So what we're specifically talking about in regard to self-tapes is pre-screens. And that's what I mean when I'm saying that some of these actors that are talking about this should not be pre-screening because what we're talking about is pre-screening. They should be going straight into this process where we are talking about everything that's setting them up to get this job and discussing it ad nauseum and making sure that they have all the things they need in regard to the questions that they have about the character and the arc and the da 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 to do the job the correct way. So again, talking about pre-screens, okay? So we are doing that. What I'm saying is we're doing that. We are in person in some moments. I've flown back to LA and done chemistry tests and mix and matches already for some of the projects. It's not about that part of the process. It's about the beginning part of the process where we're trying to decide who is actually going to be in consideration for this part. Are people booking things from one tape and not seeing anybody? Yeah, sometimes. Sometimes it depends on the situation. And if the person is super right and nailing it, why do we need to have a callback? But that's the exception, not the rule. And if we're crunched for time, we don't even need to meet with them. If the the office has hired them before and we can vouch for them and to a new filmmaker, they are taping and then going straight to set, you know, because we're behind the scenes saying, oh, that actor is great. Here's their real material. Here's three other self-tapes that we saved from them from previous times they've read for us. We've worked with them. We understand who they are and what they're capable of. You don't need to do anything more than just hire them. And they're going to set tomorrow. So it's just a product of like whatever. But I want to reiterate, we are doing this in the process. And you can't have all those conversations with 100 people that are being pre-screened. Those conversations can only happen with a select few. So the pre-screening project calls that list down to the people that you can feasibly work with. There would be zero way of initiating a relationship with casting directors, which is far more important than the audition itself. Their game seems to be making actors feel that they will never even have the chance to be personally seen by them unless they attend their casting workshop for $300 and up. This is a really difficult one to talk about because that calls back our conversation earlier, which was like the idea that going to these workshops was getting like giving you audience with us and the opportunity to potentially like have this inauthentic relationship with us that would potentially lead to work for you, which is in turn why people were perceiving those as pay for play. We are human beings who only have the capacity to actually have authentic relationships with a certain amount of actual real human beings, other human beings. The idea that 
every single actor that exists in the world having access to us in that capacity is insane and it's never going to happen. And nobody wants that for anybody. And that's not what this is about. (laughs) Can you speak to that for a second? I can. And I think that we need to redefine what relationship means. A relationship with casting is and was always a business relationship, not a friendship. I have an amazing relationship with my plumber. We're not friends. Our business relationship is that anytime I got something going on here, he shows up on time, he handles it quickly, he is dependable. The relationship you want to have with casting is a business relationship. How do you have that? Do excellent work. It's a business relationship. It was never a personal friendship. That relationship is evaluated based on the work. It has nothing to do. You could be the loveliest person in the room and they can think you're charming and quirky and lovely in every way whatsoever and not be able to cast you because you can't act or because you're not right for this part. Your personal, and also because they're not hiring you. Your personal relationship And this is speaking of somebody who thrives in the room. I am outgoing. I don't get nervous. I love people. Like the room was my jam. I've been on a a medical hiatus for a minute, so I haven't been in the room for a minute, but I loved everything about it. And I am extremely pro self-tape because the business of it makes sense, both for the rest of the industry and for actors. From a business standpoint, y'all, self-tapes give you the edge. There are so many things. All that chit-chat in the waiting room was distracting. All that getting psyched out because, oh, there's the girl who books it every time was distracting. All that whatever they say to you, right, how can I tell them not to speak to me before my super emotional scene because I'm going to lose it? All of that did not set you up for the best audition. Doing it in your controlled environment at home sets you up for that to then develop the best relationship you can with casting through the work. And just to reiterate, again, this is the beginning of the process. So we're not going to put somebody on set. Nobody knows who we've never had another conversation with, who we've never, we don't know anything about this person. Like we're not going to hire that person ultimately. And I say we as a collective, right? I'm not hiring. I am doing the actual physical hiring, but I'm not the one making the decision to hire because it's not my money. I want to say that again. It's not my money. I am not in charge. I, it is not my money to play with. There will be these conversations to get to know you if you're actually in consideration for the job. That vetting process happens later. So it's, yeah. Yes. Thank you. That is a a really succinct and beautiful way to explain the confusion about the word relationship. I have a great relationship with my plumber. He's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, what does that mean? (laughs) It's a semantics thing here that people are confusing. And that is right. The approach should be a business relationship with these people by way of really excellent work. Worst of all, there would be no way to improve. Self-tapes are like practicing free throws in the dark with earplugs. There is no immediate feedback and therefore no way to improve. Actors in the future will never get better. Never. May I please speak on that? (laughs) Chomping at the bits because this is such a way that I am consistently watching actors wound themselves with their own thoughts. And it is a matter of perspective. Casting directors are not there to improve you. Your acting coach is, class is, 
by the time you go to as much as when you go on any job interview, they're not there to teach you anything. They're not there to improve your skills. They are there for a fully baked thing to either choose to do business with based on the demands of the job or not. So these actors that are asking for feedback, I can't get feedback in the room. I saw a preposterous comment on one of these deadline articles that said something to the effect of casting directors should be filmed with a webcam while they watch auditions to make sure that they watch them beginning to end. And then they should be filmed giving you feedback on your audition. First of all, intrusive, offensively so. And second of all, they don't owe you feedback. The fact that you think that you depend on their feedback, I'm telling you, is hurting you in a way that you're walking around feeling denied. The time and place to improve is not in the audition. Now, absolutely, there is a phenomenon that I think really matters, which is actors that are not getting self-tape practice are feeling clunky with it. We as a studio... Um, one half of an on-camera audition technique studio. We were always on camera, even back in the room, because again, you audition on camera. So your training needs to happen on camera. Ever since the pandemic and everything came, you know, went to self-tapes, we became exclusively on Zoom. For class, every week, actors are taping themselves at home, bringing their tape. We look at everything from the craft to the self-tape technique to all of that, make adjustments, give notes. Because that's the medium that you're now auditioning is. If you are a tennis player and you want to play Wimbledon, you cannot practice on clay courts. The bounce of the ball is different. If you want to play the French Open, you cannot practice on grass. The bounce of the ball is different. You have to practice in the medium in which you want to play competitively. Because, so for our actors, an audition isn't an event. It's a Tuesday. It's no different than what they're doing day in and day out. Please, 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 actors, remember that an audition is not the place to improve. It's not the place to learn anything. It's the place to walk in with your expertise, your professional, you know, know-how and go, this is what I would do with this. There you go. Call me if you want to do business. That's right. It's partially our fault. Noel. it's partially our fault castings because of the conflation of like teaching and we've offered our expertise in different environments. We give direction in some moments and we're still doing that by the way, in the zoom callbacks and in whatever, blah, 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 blah. We're still giving direction. We're giving direction at the top. We're giving direction in a, in a phone call before, you know, all this stuff, but before you come back, potentially for other people in an environment where we may or may not be able to give you another note. I'm, you know, in just in hearing you say this and just thinking about this in this moment, this is partially our fault because you feel like that environment, that audition environment has been so convoluted, I suppose. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is like, you're right. You're right. We aren't there to help you improve in the moment. We're there to solve the problem of who's going to play this part. And we don't have the time in that environment to help make you specifically of all the people that we're looking at a better actor in that moment. That's not our job. 
that can't be our job because we can't take that on because what the other part, the other problem and, you know, is that we've taken so many jobs on within the profession of casting director. We've muddied the water of what it is. And the reason we don't have an Academy Award category is because no one can define what the art of casting actually is. We've taken on so much that we're actually producing most of the time and not getting credit for it. And we're actually directing most of the time and not getting credit for it. And doing some teaching and giving feedback and yeah. And coaching and trying to help actors be the best actor they can be because that's how we're solving the problem. And editing reels and looking for additional footage and... Oh, I mean, I remember like at one point hearing that the casting executives at one of the studios I was working for cut a reel for Kevin Bacon. <laughs> like they're sitting there like cutting reels together for actors to present them to people that don't know who Kevin Bacon was. I don't know. But you know what I mean? Like this is the problem. I think you're being very kind. And and I've spoken to several casting directors who literally went online chasing down because the reps was like, that's all they got. And casting was like, my producers I know need more who've gone online and found random footage and cut it together. And, but I think, things behind the scenes that actors don't see in terms of advocacy. I think you're being too kind with the it's our fault because yes, you're teaching and yes, a lot of you are giving free advice on social media and so on and so forth. And those that do workshop do quite a bit of teaching in it. But again, the personal responsibility of education on part of, of an actor. Casting is a headhunter. If I go meet with a headhunter and he or she tells me, when you go meet with this company, just know their CEO is a big fan of brevity. So, you know, keep it short and sweet or whatever. That's information that helps me then go have that interview. But their job is not to teach me how to be, I don't know, a computer programmer, how to teach me the skill of the business is they're giving me some insights that help me fit within the world of this organization, the atmosphere, the philosophy, the whatever. It's still not casting's job to help you grow and learn. And whatever information they're giving you is the cherry on top. Thank you very much. It is not a replacement for you being self-sufficient. What are they going to do? Go to set with you? When you're on set and you get a note, if you can't take it or you get a last minute rewrite or the lead who is supposed to be reading opposite you is gone for the day and you're reading with a PA who's holding the sides, there are so many ways in which you have to be self-sufficient by the time you go to set. You must be that self-sufficient with your auditioning process because is auditioning a selection process? It is by necessity and by design. Right. But I think, you know, we've confused everyone because we're all doing all these different things and it's confusing for everyone. You know, it's just, everyone's looking at us like, oh, wait, uh, but you're supposed to be that because you have been that in the past or you've done that for us in the past. So why aren't you doing it now? Now you're not doing your job and now you're going to be eliminated. Your job's going to be eliminated because you're not doing your job. But what is our job? And you, let's actually define that. And yes, there's the practicality of finding this person for this role, but then like, what is the art of casting? Let's define that. And then let's scream it from the rooftops so that everyone can understand, you know, why it requires an artistic human being <laughs> and not a bot to, <laughs> we'll get there, to make a decision about 
someone who's going to be, you know, telling a story about human beings. And a great exercise in that direction is literally take any TV show, any movie or whatever, and just in your mind, swap out the actors. If this person played this role instead of the person that they, right? What a difference who does the job makes in terms of essence, in terms of that's an art. Exactly. We just honored Simone Barr, who's, uh, I believe she's a German casting director who, she sadly just passed away in January, but we honored her at the Artius Awards and she was able to, you know, narrate, it was subtitled for us, but in her own words, kind of her story over some of the footage from the films. She she was one of the casting directors on All's Quiet on the Western Front. At the end of it, one of the actors who was speaking about her and, and having been discovered for lack of a better word, by her during their career, said so beautifully, she saw something in me that I hadn't even seen in myself. And that is the art of casting. And so all of this is just, these little things are kind of noise. And I don't mean to say that to diminish anyone's feelings in this environment or moment about where they are or what they're doing, but it's all just noise because what we're all in the fight against is capitalism versus art. And how are we going to navigate this moving forward? All of us as artists, how are we going to sustain so that we can survive, so that we can continue to have, you know, the privilege of performing and doing our art for people, for everyone to see? And, you know, the last thing that <laughs> this is really hilarious because it's so pertinent. What is next? Will chat GPT watch the tapes and pick the cast based on algorithms? Or worse, will AI scan social media profiles and find the most appealing faces and followers to be cast without auditions? It feels like we're about six months from that. <laughs> well, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> but that, listen, chat, we were talking about this before we started recording. Chat GPT is crazy. It is going to change everything. The evolution of technology will continue to change everything and it will just be exponential. It'll just like, it's going to be faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And so for me, again, I want to reiterate myself, my friends, we're all sitting in this space and we are experiencing the same thing that you are experiencing right now. We have empathy for you. We want you to know that we hear you. And we are also sitting here trying to figure out how are we going to navigate this? What are we going to do? And the answer is to, I believe, remember, and I'm saying this to my friends too, my casting friends, that we are artists and we need to thoughtfully move forward with autonomy in regard to how we want to chase our joy and our art into the future. And I don't know how else to say that. Like all we can do is ride the wave. Yeah, it's beautifully said. And really stay away from the infighting. The blame game gives you the immediate gratification of feeling like you're doing something, but it doesn't actually do anything. Because with all the technological advances and the chat GPTs of the world and whatever, all the people and a lot of people are going to lose jobs because of technology. That's a fact. And it is heartbreaking. It's already happening. Right. Exactly. It's, I don't know if it was Microsoft or whatever that laid off 10,000 people recently because they figured that chat GPT can do their job. So it is heartbreaking. But in order to survive what the world is doing, it becomes imperative to add value. Everybody that's dispensable, just 
come in, say the words, don't do a whole lot to bring it back to the acting business. Again, this is coming from, we, we teach script analysis at the studio and we coach all day long and we teach acting classes and we see the actors. There's a predominant, and this is the transparency that I think actors need to hear, predominantly a lot of actors scratch the surface, grab whatever's in the script that's the tip of the iceberg. And that's where you're going to have hundreds of people doing the sides the exact same way. A select few actually go deep, right? There's this whole conversation around make a bold choice, make a bold choice. A bold choice is not pull random stuff out of nowhere to stand out. The boldest choice there is, is to go deeper, to make really interesting choices, right? The dialogue is the strict minimum. The dialogue is the writer's job. It's not your artistry. That's the writer's artistry. Your artistry is everything else. The white of the page, the behavior, the physicality, the thoughts, your own life history. No chat GPT can do that for you or instead of you. That's that ephemeral, intangible thing that they just go, oh yes, this person. They make us feel something. And please, actors, please know that no self-tape revolution takes that away from you for the same reason that when you're at home watching TV, having a performance on a screen, self-tape, TV screen, impacts so much that you're crying your eyes out. I'm a crier. Falling your eyes out because some person across a screen is affecting you. You have that same power on a self-tape. The self-tape, the tape itself is not the problem. The problem for so many is that they don't dig deep enough to find those compelling moments. And I'm telling you, ChatGPT won't do that. Put all of your work into that, into finding those compelling things that make us not be able to take our eyes off of it. Wonderful. Yes, absolutely. Noel, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for your thoughtful and gorgeous words. You know, I think it's really, it's really a feat to be inspirational, but also really straightforward at the same time. And like, this is the truth. I'm giving you the truth, the hard truth, especially for artists. It's just, it's such a, a difficult thing to be able to do. And I, I'm so in awe of you. I think you're, you're just wonderful. Oh my God, that is so kind and truly right back at you. But I love that you're inviting these conversations and that you all as a group are not ignoring it. You're addressing it, you're addressing it, you're addressing it. But as a society and certainly as an industry, we have to live in the solution and not in the problem. And you cannot solve a problem with the same consciousness that created it. This rampant consciousness is this victimhood mentality. You got to come out of that to be able to actually do something about it. Otherwise, you're just living there. That's right. That's exactly right. And that is where we will leave you. Thank you so much, Noelle. <laughs> Thank you. You are wonderful. This was such a treat. Have a wonderful day. You too. The Castability app was created by Jay Boyer. Castability, the podcast, is produced by Fast Forward Productions and hosted by the Castability team. Thanks for listening. 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 Thanks for listening.